0: These are not just stories. These are dreams, passions,
1: experiences. You are now in this dash. Just informal before we start. Uh, yeah, how's your course. morning going?
2: Uh, it's going wild. Just trying to defund the NYPD, y'all.
1: Oh, oh don't, don't,
2: don't give it up yet. Don't give it up yet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Welcome back to another episode of in The Stash Podcast. I am your host Stephon Bishop, alongside Patrick J. Felix, Raymond Sanchez, and T.J. Johnson. Uh, we're continuing that lovely conversation that we were having, and we have none other than activist Superwoman making shit happen. Antonine in the building again. Uh, yeah, yeah, Brooklyn, stand up. When you hear activism when you see that activism in the sky <laughs> y'all,
2: better put, y'all better put some air horns on that post
1: oh, we gon' we gon' you don't understand no we gon' got
2: some lasers to that too <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: with it I'ma yes. have mad oh, I in there <laughs> sapase passe. you know what we uh, should do this at
3: night so we can hear the fireworks and let the fireworks the sound
1: <laughs> down oh man did I hear that thunder that happened yesterday the Thor nobody heard yeah, he was I heard it. it. I, heard it. Okay. I had my window was open and the light cracked so hard, it looked like a men in black bloop went like my son, my daughter, we, we all looked at each other, was like, so what are we gonna forget? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, but welcome back. Uh we definitely want to continue the conversation. First half, we talked about activism, how people can get involved, how they can find you. Um, how they can just you know get out of that shell of like what can I do and just start doing. Um, this part we want to speak about something that has been I guess plaguing everybody since they started saying it defund the police. Um, so we want to talk about the funds, the mental of defunding the police, right? Like what does that mean, right? So I guess we first need people to understand what defunding the police actually means right because for some reason people want to act like i don't know what that we, we're gonna have no police what does that mean i'm gonna have to police myself um but i think people are smart enough to know that defunding just means less money goes to them uh but i want to know what your organization is pushing for and give us the framework of how this was the 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 i guess the staple of where we started the conversation
2: yeah the so the the Movement for Black Lives issued um, early in June a national call for defunding the police. And, you know, police, there's no national police, right? Like, that would be the military. So, so police actually operate on a municipal level, which means that every city has to have a different conversation about what defunding actually means. And in New York City, I mean, do any of y'all know how much the New York NYPD budget is? is it like Ooh, let's the oh, let's guess. Wait, don't, don't. No,
1: Everybody give an answer.
2: No. Seven billion.
1: Mm, I'm going to say 6.5. It's
3: not. No, what is that? Prices Right? I'm going to the Prices Right. I'm going to Prices Right. The Price right. <laughs> you can go I'm for a dollar. 6.8 billion. Wow.
4: I would just say right, man? Would say about four.
2: Okay, great. So actually, by Prices Right rules, Raymond got it because Raymond got the closest without going over. Uh, um, oh six billion. Oh, I know how to play Prices Right. Listen,
0: I mean I know also you're Haitian too, so I knew you grew up in your household, either parents or grandparents watching Prices Right.
1: And that was the show. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Prior to Prices wow. Price wow. Right, Watch People's court, court. I Love Lucy. Guiding Light, General My Hospital. Goodness. Well, Days I mean, of my lives. was on CBS. That wasn't really my show. I was really more of a General. Days of Our Lives, on my children, Ooh, All My Children,
0: All My Children. I was a Sunset General. Beach one. There was a Sunset Beach came out for a little bit. That
2: was a oh good. yeah, that was
0: cute. That was right. cute. Right. She right.
2: said but that I, was cute. Nobody remembers it. I that, mean, that was like, on NBC. Yeah, yeah it with was. Passions. It exactly. She said
1: that was cute. That was cute. Passions was crazy, man. They had that little Timmy, that little doll. I couldn't. No, no thanks, man.
0: That, that was soft before Saw was Saw. <laughs>
1: Damn, we losing our cool points.
2: You got to watch out for a show that has a white witch
1: on it. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Sabrina? (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) i talking
2: about passions. I know,
1: I know, know, but don't do... The
2: white witch was doing all this stuff and I was like, what is the
1: White, white, white women be wilding.
2: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Cameron! Yep. (laughs) All right.
1: So, so, (laughs) so so back to the funding. Yes, defunding, right?
2: So the NYPD budget is $5.6 billion.
1: Damn! Sorry.
2: Go ahead. No, no, I I say it so much that I forget how wild it is. That is astronomical. Before you go into
3: depth, how much is the NYC educational budget?
2: (laughs) Ooh, that is a very good question. So I believe the DOE budget, I don't know it off top. It's bigger than the NYPD budget, but when you do the math in terms of the money that goes to each officer versus the money that goes to each student, it's way more money going per officer than per student okay damn shame crazy man yeah and you know there's a lot of wild stuff like like right now we're in a pandemic and the nypd budget is four times the size of the the department of health budget
1: okay so who is uh, so you're gonna give us numbers but i want to know
2: who who is sitting
1: at this table going like let's empower the killers like
2: (laughs) like well you know you gotta talk to your mayor you're okay, you got to talk to your city council speaker, Corey Johnson, and you got to talk to whoever your individual council members are, right?
1: Okay, so they're the can,
2: ones signing off on this.
1: Can you walk us through so when you want to take something from someone, there's a process, right? So, can you? Well, I know I mean, a lot of us I was
2: jumping them, but I think it's a little different here.
1: You know, what I mean, the streets <laughs> would just say, Hey, massage Yo, your sneakers, Get <laughs> <laughs> you got the time, that's a nice watch, but um, in this approach, uh. So this was, to me, again, this is, this movement right now is the most clear I've ever seen us as a community in regards of our wants and our demands. And I love that we're strategizing, strategizing and thinking. So when we said defund the police, what was the, I know it was basically, it's basically going to come down to like each state kind of having their own kind of like action plan. Um, but for New York City, what was our vision of like, hey, this is what we would like the funds to be reduced to and then reallocated to in regards of where it could be most useful in our communities.
2: Yep. And the the reallocation part is important because everybody says defund the police, but it's not just taking money from the police just to take it. It's taking money from policing and investing it because, you know, when you like anybody here who, who grew up in the hood or even has literally walked through a hood, you know that the best funded institution in the hood is always the precinct. You're never going to wonder why they don't have more cop cars, why they don't have more cops, whether they respond when you have an issue or not, you know, they have the money. Right. Exactly. So, so what we're saying is that's fucked up, right? Like take the money away from the policing and put it in the health clinic, put it in the education. Like I should say, put it in the schools, put it into housing. Right. Like you have, I mean, it's so wild. It's like in our communities, we don't we don't even there's so much homelessness that we don't even think about because we just think about it like oh like you know steve is always you never you know steve be sleeping on people's couches or whatever but like that's homelessness right so like when people can't afford to live places but then you have the nypd has six billion dollars to do whatever they want with it then like we need to reassess our priorities and like what is the government actually providing for people yes
0: you know, and I feel like people, um, you know, of course, when we bring up the conversation about like defunding the police, they're like, okay, cool. Like, you know, that means like getting rid of all the cops or like, in my mind, like, I mean, from what I see, cops are reactive, not necessarily preventative. They're just, they're, their existence mm. is supposed to be, is Shit, what the preventative you sound like thing you've is. You have been at the meetings. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I might've been uh, put my ear on there a little bit, you know, but that, that, that's what it feels like to me. So like, you know, like something happens, I got to call a cop to come and figure it out later on anyway. You know what I mean? So I like the idea that you know, we're just going to get rid of all police and then all crime is going to be rampant. Like, there's no police officers on my block. People are not shooting bazookas at each other, you know? So I'm like, I, I, so I, it kind of does strike a nerve for me when, like, you know, because everyone comes so literal. You say people at the police, they would be like, okay, it's only just that. But it's like everyone forgets all the different strands that actually is attached to it, um, you know? And if, so for you, uh, like, how do you, like, uh, like I'm assuming you've probably met a couple of people who had that same mindset. How do you, like, debunk um, that? Yeah,
2: well... So if we think about, we want to think about defunding the police, and you know, we're all really clear that Black and Brown, low-income communities, and and like working-class communities suffer a lot of police violence, and we take that almost as a fact, right? Like, like even people get angry when somebody gets killed, but there's an understanding that we all have of like this is the way it is. So if there's been disinvestment in housing, and education, and healthcare in Black and Brown neighborhoods, for, you know, ever, basically, right? Like, because there's always been more money in policing. It's the
1: dawn of time.
2: (laughs) Right? So then what are we, how are we actually moving the money in ways that make sense? And like, when we talk about moving the money, we're, we're not just saying like, oh, okay, fire cops, right? We're saying that this system of policing is racist. The system of policing is abusive. The system is discriminatory. And, what we need to create new systems of dealing with harm, and you know, I'm gonna say something, and y'all are gonna be like, Okay, she's talking wild she's an activist, right? So oh, crime I think I know what exist. you're gonna say. I was about to, exist. Oh! right? <laughs> <laughs> crime, <laughs> doesn't exist. crime doesn't exist, and though. And, and when I say crime doesn't exist, I mean, like, of course, like, you know, there are lots of things that are called crimes, right? Like,
1: crime is, a bi- of- cri- crime is a byproduct of environment so our environments are poor our environments leave us with nothing to do but crime
2: i'm gonna i'm gonna take a slightly different route you might not even agree with me at the end of this right that the 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 crime the concept of crime was socially constructed right the same way that race kind of doesn't exist but someone decided that we're all black right Mm -hmm. so crime was socially constructed um and when we when the reason we can say crime doesn't exist is think about it like this you're a person, right? Like all of you, each of your people, you have each been in relationships with people your whole life, right? And you know that it's a very natural thing for people to harm each other, right? Like sometimes people do it on purpose, sometimes people do it because they feel like they're back against the wall. And and when I say harm, I'm not even talking about like stealing somebody's car, right? Like, exactly, like people do harm to each other. But the system of crime, what it does is it says that if you do a crime, what do you become? A criminal. Exactly. And the criminal, like in our society, a criminal is a person that's less than human. A criminal is a person who is inherently evil, right? Like, Like this criminal, a low life, right? A criminal is a person who we can violate their rights and it's okay because they're a bad actor right? Mm. And then that's where you get the carceral system, right? Like you, that's where you get a system that incarcerates people because it believes that criminals are inhuman. And then it does inhuman things to human beings because it's decided that they're criminals, right? So the fundamentals of how we think about safety and how we think about crime are fucked up, right? And if we want to defund the police and we want to defund the police because we want to reduce abusive policing then we need to start building models of dealing with harm that don't incarcerate people
3: nice okay i got a uh, question for you um
2: oof i'm scared okay no
3: no no you good <laughs> um, so let's put it like this um i think we all are on the same page with where, where how some cops go about feeling like judge dread where they did a Ooh. jury and all of that other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And that's totally wrong, because you're, that's not within your job title. Part of what goes along with policing is the NRA, in my opinion, because guns is part of the fabric that made America what it yep. is. Um, yep. But also, from looking at like statistics from other countries, where their policing system is way different than ours where, like, mm-hmm. I think it was, like, Sweden, where they do, like, three years of training versus oh, yeah. much out here, they're only doing, like, a few weeks and everything. Would there be... How much opposition would there be if... Not saying just the fund, but allocate some funds to proper practices for policing? Yep. Be, would there be opposition towards that as well?
2: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I think, like, we fundamentally need to have a system that. Oops, sorry, I accidentally muted myself. We fundamentally need to have a system where it doesn't rely on policing. And when I say policing, like we, you know, we're having the technical conversation about the NYPD. And that's a real conversation about getting rid of like the abusive policing of the NYPD. But then there's this other conversation that is about cultural policing, right? Mm -hmm. And when we talk about cultural policing, we're talking about like, if you're on food stamps and you have to submit documents every six months to keep getting your food stamps, right? Like that's policing, right? Like that is a system that doesn't trust the people who are like need to get what they need to get. And it makes it, you create barriers because you don't trust people and you're like, they're going to lie. They're going to be fake, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that happens with cops in schools too, right? Like you have, you have young people who are undocumented who are walking around in schools. Like if I get into a fight, I could get deported right? Like, so there's, there's like a, a culture of policing. And I think, you know, if you've gone to a school that had like really severe disciplinary practices, you understand what a culture of policing looks like. So the shift that we're making is not just like away from like the formal policing, but it's also institutions of policing. So that's saying that if we do have systems, how do we deal with harm, right? Like how do we have community accountability circles? How do we have restorative justice, right? Like how do we deal with harm in ways that are very human? there's still going to be like, it just can't be police, right? Like it has to be a different face. That's not like lording power and authority over people who have done something wrong.
1: Yeah. I think I've been hearing a lot of conversations around um, who should be first responders, right? Cause not every yep. 911 call yep. is a call that requires the police. I can think of two instances in my building where uh, someone was on drugs and the police came first, and then the ambulance came and it was like, Hey, we got it. Like, you guys are not needed. This person just needs to be admitted. And, like, it was eight cops for someone who was just like on some medication and they just needed the right people to talk to. And, you know, the, the EMTs were able to calm them down and get them. But I was just thinking of, like, how this could easily go left with eight police officers surrounding you, mm-hmm. and you're just someone who just needs, you know, proper medical care or mental care. Um, and I think that's where we need to kind of like shift the focus in regards of like what they should be responding to. (laughs) Right. It should be like, Hey, someone's stuck in an elevator. We don't need the police. Right. (laughs) Like you guys are coming here for, Um, and I think, you know, me and Raymond went to the same high school and I always remember this. We went to to Maxwell. So I'm going to give, I'm going to give you a scenario. Right. So my first day of Maxwell. I get there, there's no metal detectors. I'm in the ninth grade. I'm like, there's no metal detectors. All I know about from high schools is like metal detectors and you can't bring a phone and you can't wear a belt and all of this. My school had no metal detectors. I wasn't at school for four years. I've never seen somebody get stabbed, shot. Like people had their little fights, but that's just life, right? But there was nothing towards uh, any violence with a weapon. I know people who went to schools with metal detectors and uh, basically cops in the building and they had all sorts of things happen. And I was just always like amazed that With no again uh, restrictions in regards of like making us feel like we're criminals, we didn't act like criminals. So I just thought that was a good mindset to see for me growing up, Um, and it kind of speaks to what you're saying of how like this country is just made off of like these environments where they kind of make you feel like, well, you're you know you're 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 doing something bad, you're a criminal, so then people kind of react sometimes i'm like well they think i'm having a they think i have a weapon maybe i should have a weapon um or we're just again old policing kids where we've you know forced kids into thinking they should protect themselves like oh this is a bad school you have metal detectors people have weapons so like maybe i should have a weapon too well, i'm not sure if you've seen that um kind of uh examples in your you know i guess yeah. Brooklyn. State. No, that's, i mean
2: that's real and the thing is you know i so I'm gonna, I'm gonna come out, right? Like I, I went to Brooklyn Tech, right? Which means hey, I have, hey, which means like we there. didn't have, huh?
3: My godbrother went there.
2: Oh, sweet! What year was he?
3: I think he was 01, I think.
2: Oh, that's interesting. I feel new. All right, let me not get all deep into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, you know, I didn't go to a school where, like, the policing was not quite as deep as it was at, like, Midwood or Thomas Jefferson, right? Like, it was it was very different. And, like, there's no reason why it shouldn't have been the way it was, except that, like, th- this is this is sort of the issue with policing, right? It's like, you see something happens, and you blame the people, and that's how they become criminals and get yeah. people you could get scared of, as opposed to saying, well, what are the... But like you have to do the hard work, right? Like you could pay seventy thousand dollars for a cop, or you could invest two hundred thousand dollars in a neighborhood, right? Like it's it, it's right, like like the choices is it, appeasement, right? Like it's very easy to throw cops at a problem, but cops don't solve problems. Yeah.
1: yeah, nothing they solve. I learned that the hard way. I'm like, what are you guys? So I remember the first time I ever got arrested, and I was like, hey man, I'm innocent, and I was giving them all the facts. A police, a detective literally told me. We don't solve crime. He's like, you got to do that too with a judge, and I was like, so what do you do? <laughs> yeah. But but I learned that the hard way. I was like, oh, police just basically go, hey, we got a ticket, or we got a, we got a, we got a quarter to fill. We arrest somebody, we book you, and then you go to a judge and tell a judge why you're innocent. And I was like, that's not what Law and Order and all these shows taught me. No,
0: not at all. <laughs> and I feel like we also don't operate culturally like in a stage of like redemption. There is none, right? Like once you're a criminal, mm. you're a criminal for life. Like you know. That's when your, you even if you committed like you know you have people who've been put in situations like they actively committed a felony or they were like either associated or like you know around or even blackmailed into it and then now you have to suffer you have to pay for it you know voting things like that so like you
1: know where that, that comes from right
0: conversation but it's just driving crazy say again i say you know where that
1: comes from right uh 13th amendment there you go boom <laughs> come on son think this is it was it was like y'all free but y'all can't work nowhere yeah and then we stole a loaf of bread, and it was like, well, now you gotta go to jail and work for us for free. But yeah, well, that's
2: and, and and let's let's even unpack that, right? Like, if, yeah. So people people who were brought here and enslaved and had like less of a running start than everybody else you mm-hmm. say that they're free. You don't give people the supports that they need to actually build thriving communities, and then you come in and say, if you try to get anything for yourself by any ways that we said is illegal, we're gonna lock you up. Right. Yep. Like, it's, I mean, it's a scam.
0: Yeah. It hey, basically. It's that- also as well, like it's once legal now, it's then eventually becomes made legal and people are still in jail for marijuana when people are making billions of dollars off of it. And yeah,
2: there's my- you know, like I'll say that last, last June, the, um, the governor really wanted to sign, like wanted to move the marijuana legislation to legalize marijuana, but he didn't want to do the community reinvestment. So then, what <laughs> you have is that the people who were fighting for it were like, 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 fuck this. We're not gonna push this bill because if we don't get, basically, if we don't get the the repair that we need for our communities that says like, okay, violence was done and now we're we're paying for that violence, then like, what the hell is the point? Exactly. It's just white corporations that are gonna they're gonna profit off of cannabis legalization. Yep,
1: yeah, the they go ahead.
4: No, so like. Speaking about, you know, all the different injustices within the system itself, like in society and so forth, what do you say to those people who feel like, especially people of our culture, our color, our background, that necess- that literally vocally, <clears throat> I mean, vocalize that racism don't exist. Like these things aren't happening in this day and age. Like, I, I hear this a lot. I've been hearing this a lot lately with everything that's- mm-hmm racism don't exist um it's all about the decisions you make it's all about you know the opportunities you take and what do you say to those people
2: i think we need to look at um like black advancement through a few different lenses so like one is the individual versus the the, the collective right so like folks who are familiar with du bois versus booker t washington will know that like the boys was like, we need to have education. We need to like better ourselves. We need to show that we're good blacks. Booker T was like, dog, we just need to do whatever makes sense. We're all black, <laughs> like, right? Like, so there, <laughs> so there are two, you know, like from, the, from, from Reconstruction, right? Like we have two different kinds of like ideas about um, like how we advance. And there's an advancement that's built on black capitalism that doesn't get everybody free, right? Like it gets some people free. And look, some of us need to be capitally free, right? Like that's real. but it like doesn't it doesn't allow for the broad work that needs to happen. So then what happens is you get into these situations where people want to say that things are happening, that that there's progress happening, but they don't really want to' benefiting. So then the second thing that I think feels important, because I feel like I've, i'm let me make sure I'm correctly analyzing what you're saying, which is like, mad black caribbeans be like whatever race is not an issue like look at how successful i've been is that right yeah that's yeah yeah and you know my you know my black caribbean family my asian family very bougie i get it right like don't don't hang out with the black americans we need to talk about that we need to talk about how in our communities there's a lot like the diaspora is not united in lots of different ways but like when we talk about ethnicity that black caribbeans look at black americans like y'all are criminals and y'all are the ones doing all these things wrong so there's there's like an unlearning that needs to happen because like as i mentioned in the in the last episode about like abner Luima and being haitian and all of that that even you can have all these ideas about like investment through capitalism. But at the end of the day, you know that the white supremacist structures in this country will see you as black. They don't care if you're Jamaican. They don't care if you're from St. Lucia, right? Like you're still gonna be black and they're still gonna shoot you. So it's like, you know, it's, it's a way that black people make ourselves feel better by being like, I'm not as bad as these black Americans. But the reality is that we're treated the same anyway. So like, why you feel good?
0: Yeah. I also see it as like that bootstrap um, mentality, right? Where they tell you, oh, yep. you just go ahead and pull yourself by your bootstraps. I believe that even if you made it and, you know, you, know, you, you feel like you're not no longer associated to like, you know, the uh, racism, no, no longer applies to you because like, you know, you're a successful Black. At the end of the day, I believe it's a farce. And to me, I just see it that you're fortunate. You're lucky that you were able to not experience certain things that the rest of us may have experienced, like getting stopped and frisk. I haven't been, but I'm not going to deny that it doesn't exist. It's insane. That's exactly. what drives me crazy. Like for not people who can't just see that.
1: But mm. all right. So I know we're pressed for time, but I wanna ask one question um, and kind of get some ideas because I, I'm I need to know. So I see you, you your Brooklyn Movement Center has the anti-street harassment. Yeah. And uh first give some background on how that got started and what the initiative is, so everyone listening can actually take part in this learning experience?
2: Yeah, totally. So we have, um, we started back in 2013, this group called No Disrespect, which was a group of um, like cisgendered women who were basically saying that, you know, that the streets were unsafe for people who aren't men, right? Like who aren't cisgendered men, right? And and I know Mm -hmm. folks might not know what cisgendered mean, but it basically means that like you you know, you were assigned to be a woman like by gender at birth, and you feel like that gender is consistent with how you feel, right? And a lot of cis people, we're not used to that kind of language because they're like, what, I'm a woman. They said, I'm a woman. Yeah. But like, if we want to expand our community around trans identities and around gender non-conforming identities, then we have to acknowledge our privilege. So I, I, I went a little deep, but I just want to say that like, we started this group no, because to. we were like- yeah, you have to. Yeah, we, went, we started this group because we were like, there needs to be a black women led effort talking about street harassment um, because like, you know, women were getting slashed when we were doing this work and, and, and we went around and then it's the same thing, right? Like people try to say, Oh, this is not black. Is not black. I'm literally black. I'm like, I'm literally from here. I was <laughs> born in fucking Kings County hospital. Like what is this conversation about? And, and I'll say, and I might throw a wrench at your question is that, we're in the process of actually bringing together our anti-street harassment work and our police accountability work under the mantle of community safety because it Mm, starts, you know, it's like when we would do street harassment work, we'd be like, well, what do we do if we see people fighting? Do we call the cops? And then we would go do policing, like outreach work, and then we would have people who were getting street harassed. So we were starting to understand that like if we really wanted, those are only two areas, but if we want to think about community safety as a whole, that would actually give us more
1: um, grounding to actually do this work nice so i have a, a a a slight story not long and i just want to get your take on it so a friend of mine uh had a situation where she just you know outside walking a guy rode by on a bike and slapped her in the butt right mm-hmm. and she like she said she froze and she didn't know what to do um obviously you know first empathize sorry that happened to you you know was there anybody around maybe a camera something that you could report it try to like figure out have you seen them in the neighborhood before you know ask the basic questions um but then as you know as a man i wanted to make sure like i'm not like uh i guess glossing over the issue right because um, in my head i'm like you know what could i do to help in those situations i'm not physically there um i tried to to give uh advice in a situation i was like hey you know um, would walk in the street, you know, you know, try to be mindful of where you are, you know, who you're around. And she took it as, and we, and we had the conversation, she understood I wasn't saying that, but she took it as, hey, are you trying to say this is my fault? I should be more, you know, cautious of who I'm around. Um, and I don't ever think that you can control who you're around. I can tell you as a black man, when I walk around outside, I'm very aware of who I'm around. Cause I'm always like, I don't know who's around me. So I'm just like, always freaking out. Maybe that's just me and paranoia. Um, no, but that's I think Brooklyn. That's, yeah, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. that's Brooklyn, right? Um, mm-hmm. So for me, I know it's always hard with trying to give like, you know, uh, the women in my life advice on like, I don't trust society, so they shouldn't trust society, right? Like, I know it's right. hard to say that, but like, you always got to have your guard up, so to speak, right? And I'm going to always say that to anybody. I say that to my little cousins, my older, my aunt, everybody, like, you just never know who you're around. Um, but as a woman, how do you... I guess I'm looking for better ways to have that conversation. I think that's a good conversation because our black women are saying it and it's true and they don't feel safe in our neighborhoods and we don't make them feel safe. Um, And and it it could be just simple verbs, verbiage in regards of like us catcalling or just making them feel uncomfortable or like someone physically doing something to them. So I think that's a, I just want to get, you know, some feedback in regards of like better ways we can be men in regards of like listening and, and being supportive, um, and not being dismissive. Because I don't think, I mean, I know it's easy to just be like, take a self-defense class, but that doesn't really, like, you know, like, that's only going to do so much sometimes. Right? Probably my God, is not solving that. <laughs> I, know that's a, I know that's a lot. I know that's a heavy. No,
2: yeah, no, it's a lot, and I love this question so much. I want you to know that we could literally do a whole episode on this. So, thought about that, to, too. Let me try, to, let me try to, to narrow it down. First, very first really, really important thing is that when we talk about street harassment, we're talking about harassment that comes from cisgendered heterosexual men towards mm-hmm. literally everyone else. And I Correct. know that like we often get into the like women versus men conversation, but like, you know, people who are people who are queer, trans and then gender nonconforming get harassed by black men. and oh, of it's course, yeah, it's, it's like a different kind of harassment, right? Like it's like, oh, can I watch y'all like that kind of harassment, right? So,, uh, so one, I want to name that. um two, I so I just want to say that I still so appreciate you even just putting yourself in this conversation, and I want to recognize that that's not easy work. I'm not giving you a gold star. I am saying that, like, you know, there's hard work that we need that we all need to do, and we think of it often in terms of like campaigns and like showing up. But the work is literally in your life, right? The work is literally with people you know. So just to start there, okay. then, like, huh?
3: Accountability. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, yes, and and when it when it comes down to it, right? There's there's two ways, there's two strategies that we've been employing against street harassment. One is supporting people who experience street harassment and being able to resist. So that means like you know, I mean, one it's funny one time we we would do like these anti street harassment events every week every year. And one of the one year we did this event called Rewind because it was based on this idea that. When we get um, when we get uh, harassed, you're often it completely throws you off, right? Like you're minding your own business, you're doing whatever you're doing, and now some guy's voices in your head, or somebody you know rolls up on you and touch you, whatever, and. Often it's like after the incident is over, that's when you know how you wanted to respond, and you like, oh, I would have said this. So we did this event, we did a theater event, and it was called Rewind, and we allowed people to like basically we we did role play where you did a situation, you got to rewind it, right? So I'm I'm sharing all of that because, you know, the work of supporting women, uh, and and like people in general who experience um, street harassment to work together around this is a lot of deep work that doesn't have anything to do with men, right? And then on the flip side, when we talk about men, like y'all are the most credible messengers, right? Like if I say to a man that I was treat her ass, that has a completely different impact if one of you says to the same man I saw it happen. Because quite frankly, y'all often don't see it happen. And I don't say that to disparage. I say it that it's so normalized. It's almost, you know, it's like, a in the background like you literally we're blind, we're blind to it and that yeah exactly and so much of the process is actually learning for y'all learning how do you talk to men about it because they don't care what we have to say and like and we so we have a group that of men who like have been doing this work and it's really it's really amazing because like one of the leaders in our group like i you know i've seen him grow to the point where he can be in relationship with black trans women in a way that's like really respectful and supports their development. And that's, that's kind of the place that we want to
1: get to. Nice. But
4: like you was just saying is, um, a lot of times we're blind to it. And it's, it's, uh, it's for us is a transition of actually, you know, being aware that this is going on, but I feel like it goes, it goes further when you also express your like displeasure or disgust in it. Um, not just saying, yo, I saw that, but uh, yo, listen, that this, is inappropriate you gotta call it out and like you said like uh Tyrone said earlier it's accountability like you just said it, it, it holds more weight coming from us to our peers so instead of just like seeing it and dismissing it or, or seeing it and trying to be like really um polite about it no i feel like we have to express deeply how much this is inappropriate and we're not going to stand for it and i feel like it'll have more impact that way
2: well, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I think I would want to broaden it to say that, like, you know, I think good organizing is often like reading the room and like making the ask and saying the things that make sense. So it's like, you know, it's, it, we can't communication is really reliant on like how well we communicate our point is reliant on who's the messenger. What's their relationship with the person who's hearing it and what, what, you know, how is it being heard? So yeah, there are people who you're going to be able to hold accountable from jump and be like, yo, that's fucked up. But those are probably people who are younger than you, right? Like, you're not going to do that with your uncles. You're going to mm-hmm. have a very different conversation with them. And I think part of, you know, people talk a lot about um, solidarity, but like solidarity is a process, right? Like you don't decide to be in solidarity with someone and then you're just there, right? Like I'm, I'm still doing so much of my own work about being in solidarity with black trans women, right? Like we're all doing that work, and it's because of how we were raised, not because of who we are.
3: Got it. Nice, right. right? Right. Can I tell a real quick story as to something off on topic with that? Yesterday, um, while I was with Ray, um, Marlon and his girlfriend, we were in front of a venue. Not trying to name the venue because I ain't trying to give them any intro. Please name everybody else though.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm about to say right, like,
3: So basically what happened was was there was this gentleman who had his car right in front of the venue and his girlfriend was sitting on the hood of his car and everything. He's going back and forth getting drinks. At first when he moved his car in the front, he went around the group. But now like he knows that there was a little gap in space between like the garbage and our friend's girlfriend. So he kept on passing back and forth there, not saying excuse me or anything like that. So I was like, all right, let me just do a test here real quick. And I swapped spots with her. He didn't do, he didn't go that route. And mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, maybe I should have said something like, dude, you need to realize what you did, right? Because you kind of like belittling our women when you do that. Like, you didn't say excuse me or anything like that. But now you see a man is there and it's like, all right, you're just, all right, I don't, that's a dude. Let me respect the dude. Like, show that same respect for our women as well in situations like that.
4: Yeah, but just to just to go further on what Tyrone was saying uh, when he told her to move he literally went around and passed by her again and brushed her so it's like every time he passed he kept brushing her and he wanted to say something but the atmosphere of you know like the surroundings and atmosphere we were just like yo just leave it alone like because you know like we went like you like you just mentioned you have to read the room and you got to know like you know how things could be perceived or or, or received or um or <clears throat> accepted and he was just like it's not even that serious just let it go because the wrong word coming out of his mouth based on what Tyrone would have said could have took the whole situation left. Of course. Like and yeah. A little...
2: Well no that's what you have to be aware of and, and honestly when we started organizing men around this, that was literally the first thing. You know, people are like Cause y'all very often don't talk about male aggression, but it's real, right? Like you already know, if you pull up on somebody, like you don't know what they got on them, right? Like, like and you and people, like you know, we're from Brooklyn. People wild out off of nothing.
1: hmm Right. Kenmore movie theaters, good old yeah. Kenmore.
2: Oh.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but I think, think.
2: I love y'all. <laughs> listen,
1: uh, but we could talk about this for hours, and I yeah. think um, I don't. I think this topic itself deserves an actual episode. And I know you're a busy woman, but I'm going to <laughs> reach out and email you every day going, hey, hey, girl. <laughs> well, you hey know, girl. You've, <laughs> also,
2: you've also got some amazing members, you know? I know, I, know, I mean... Yeah, I
1: was going to say, yeah, if you could recommend some... I mean, I would bring you and others on to have this because I feel like we need what?
2: More. We could yeah. have two women um, in this space that's
1: all men we could have four women in this space if we needed. Yeah. um we are not opposed oh. to that and we definitely so I, I honestly feel like this would be a healthy episode and I, I know that we're touching it now and we're giving people a little taste of it um but i know time is of the essence and we have to wrap um so i definitely want to tell the viewers we're gonna reach out we're gonna get all the women she can muster up to come have this conversation. And we're going to have this conversation because I think it's important for us men to hear it. Right. And we need to be in that room. We need to be uncomfortable in that room. We need to look at ourselves. We need to be able to say, okay, how can I do things better? Um, And we just need to listen. Right. A lot of it is just us listening. I think we've been like just hearing ESPN chimes for so long. We don't know what like actual complaints (laughs) are like, Um, but all good things do come to an end. And we have to wrap this episode. We're going to put a lot of applause and fireworks in the background going, boom, 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 boom. I love it. The
2: laser.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to put major laser for no reason in there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, right the this DVD, is really,
3: to pause that for another week. Uh,
1: we're going to pause that. We're going to pause that. She, she, she 15 pressed 15 for time. Seconds. She pre- I, I, 15 seconds? I don't
3: know. All right.
1: 15 I, seconds. Go, go ahead.
3: Happy birthday to Audrey McDonald, uh, actress from West Berlin, Germany. She won six, of eight, 20 awards she was nominated for. Go Google her. She's dope.
1: Hey. And thought sexy yeah. as hell. Can I say yeah, that? that I'm sorry. I said that. Now you're objectifying her. I know, right? I just said oh. she's, I'm sorry. Oh, she's intelligent as oh, hell. I, 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 think, I think we want dark skinned
2: women to be sexy. Let's, let's, let's
0: oh. the line. Oh, I oh yeah. Oh, oh, OK. My girl, my I got approval.
1: Uh-huh. Got approval um but listen this has been an amazing in the stash podcast episode my name is stefan bishop uh we had again the amazing the 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 inspiring uh listen i'm gonna call you the you're like my super you're my superhero now like uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna find somebody no, no, no. we're gonna give her life okay
2: i'm sorry be human. i'm sorry we don't have All right. to be a superhero. no right. it's nice i like to hear it but i'm just <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, nobody, nobody call her to solve no problems. You uh, don't want to be the little mo
2: superwoman
1: fabster. Uh, yeah, I wanna be, we wanna be soft. We want the black man to be able to hold us down. Uh, Listen, I ain't got I ain't got much muscles, but whatever. Um, gotta, Anthony. <laughs> there we go. Uh but Anthony and Pierre, man. Another round of applause for her. Another round of applause for her. Hey, We're gonna put it in post
2: though.
1: So uh, first of all, tell the people where they can find you again We need to make sure that yeah, they can Yeah, absolutely. Reach out. you
2: want to head over to brooklynmovementcenter.org and you can find us on Facebook um, as Brooklyn Movement Center, on Twitter and Facebook as at BK Movements. Beautiful. And we black. We mad black. We black. We mad black.
1: black. Black. My name is Stephon Bishop. You can find me on all social media platforms. At S-T-E-P-H-O-N. Like always, if you can't spell Bishop, just don't do it. Don't search for me.
3: This is TJ, Really TJ, right here. If you listen to this on audio, at Really, um, the letter T, and spell out J-A-Y.
4: And I'm Raymond Sanchez. I'm on Facebook as Raymond Sanchez. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as RLS underscore Jr
0: and i am patrick felix on facebook is patrick j felix uh j stands for joaquin um, kidding uh and you can find me on ig <laughs> uh you can find me on ig p-a-t-m-c-c-r-o-t-c-h
1: hey and this is a stash network production and you can find the company and follow us on all social media platforms stash network and we're out ladies and gentlemen goodbye You, you. yeah yeah